Okay, so how do you deal with late in the project changes that yeah. aren't just like, you know, maybe a, hey, I want to change this door and stuff. I mean, because even with this project, you know, we've evolved, you know, had a couple of like, hey, can you change these doors from 36 to 42 because concerned about carts coming through and stuff like that, which, you know, those are fine. You, know, you can kind of, thankfully with Revit or who, whatever else you're using, you can change the door parameters and yeah swap out the family whatever yeah do do your due diligence go back and make sure that the product that you're specifying actually carries a 42 inch door in a 90 minute rating little simple crap like that but gets you thinking of like okay so there's 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 been many a times in many a projects throughout the course of our careers that they will ask us for a change that isn't just, oh, hey, I've been thinking about these doors, let's change these doors, but more something like, oh, hey, by the way, I know that you're a few months away from submission or completion, but I'd like to, we've completely rethought the way that this floor plan works. Yeah. And we want to rechange it. <laughs> or you know, in, a new president comes on board uh, at a local community oh, college yes. or yeah. a user group group completely changes or somebody retires or, yeah. And these, yeah, these are the yeah. big things. You know, which is funny is that you just highlighted just a few of those. And I think I've actually gone through every, every one, of those. one of those. Yeah, exactly. And and so you got to wonder, it's like when things like that happen, not only is it something that's, okay, it's scatter. Everybody, let's start, you know, figuring out, okay, well, what does this mean? What are the ramifications of it? What are the things are affected by this change? Mm-hmm. Some of my older projects have kind of like dealt with blows like, and I've even gotten where you've completed a project and they're like, oh, by the way, we're not going to occupy this floor. Like, well, why aren't you going to occupy that floor? Well, (laughs) we just hired on a new program for this particular school and this school wants to use this floor, but the way that they were going to use that floor isn't the way I put a, I, there was one project that I did where we had designed it for basically observational reviews and, you know, like debrief rooms and things like that. Well, Mm -hmm. and so the whole floor plate was all of that. And then like, you know what? I think we want a robotics lab. (laughs) I'm just laughing because I, I've been through this exact same thing. And you're just like, wait, robotics lab. You just want to hear like the record screech sound effect. (laughs) Out loud exactly. so that everybody can hear it at the same time so that everybody's like, oh, something just went down. Because <laughs> well, usually the people saying that are t- completely oblivious. Well, you know, it's just like, OK, yes, the user group that wants it is going to need it and it needs it like the way that they want it laid out. But the problem is, is that start thinking to yourself, OK, first of all, was the building structured? What type of robotics lab? Are we going to be exceeding any of the design loads based off of that? So you find out, oh, it's it's smaller stuff. Okay. Well, so what type of IT, AV, or heat loads will we occur in here that we need? And they're like, oh, it's this, 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 and this. And you're like, well, crap. The way that it's designed right now, it means that we're going to actually have to add capacity to a unit that currently right now doesn't have capacity in that unit. And we're going to have to upsize it and then... right. By the way, that that particular unit that feeds this particular space is sized exactly to a point where there's no additional noise or vibration loading on the building 
because immediately below that space is the executive conference room. And so you're like, okay, well, you know, you don't want like the noise transmission when the thing cranks up and all this other stuff. And it was specifically designed for really being, you know, like whisper quiet after, you know, with spring isolation and all that other stuff and additional insulation between the the members and stuff. And you hope that when you add more to it, that it's going to suffice, but never know until you actually get there and start testing it. Right. And so it gets you thinking, it's just like you, we, we deal with this all the time where people change their mind on the use or the layout or things like that. And it's just, you know, how do, how do you deal with the, with that change? I mean, you, you hope it's not like, ah, you know, and you start screaming and yelling and, and stuff like that. Or you just, you know, it's just like, well, okay. Yeah. Yep. The, the ones that I always concerned about and, and curious how you've dealt with these in the past, it was like when they're late, you know, let's just throw out there that you're like two months away from the completion of your documentation and getting ready for submission for your, and they come in and they say, you know, hey, oh, by the way, we want to change the layout of this floor. Yeah. What do you do? I mean, you just do it, right? Like I, that's the thing is there is never an option usually to just say no because, I mean, this is part of your contract, right, which is to make it what they want when it's ready to build. And, and like, there are revisions built into that contract, right, mm-hmm. to, to get it to be what it needs to be. Now, obviously, there's, there's going to be some additional services potentially in there because it isn't what, the, what you guys originally programmed or, you know, what was signed off on on the different milestones throughout design, which is, which is fine. But that doesn't change the fact that you still have to do it. Right. Well, so let me just ask this. So you put into the caveat that, well, you know, changes in the design are things that you're responsible for. However, so you probably, you know, we'll go through a conceptual design, have them review it and say, okay, I think this is the right track. Sign off on that, then go through schematic design, then go through design development. And at that point, you know, if you've got all of these sign offs, construction documentation in the traditional sense, you should not be changing your design yeah and so at that point you're hoping for them to just say you know we're done with design it's exactly what we want and so you go and you're going you're moving forward you're getting everything done and then they say oh by the way we want to offer up all of this input where we want to redesign it Mm-hmm. And so the the question is is do you this is just one of these some some people will just say okay I'll do it and try to incorporate the design into it and get it all you know pushed as part of the design. Mm-hmm. But when you start looking at the complexities of different types of buildings and things like that it it's not like okay you told me what you want you know kind of the layout that you wanted and we had that meeting and I understand the, your your intent but not only do I have to test fit it, but now I actually have to like go back a couple of times with you guys, at least once, if not more, to fine tune it, make sure that it's good to go. So now we're eating into this two months. Right. And then by the time they say, okay, I've, I've given you the blessing of this is the design that I want. Now, basically go through the full engineering to make sure that everything is set and good to go. You've got to like redo all of your ductwork, redo all of your plumbing above, you know, overhead, redo all of your fire protection, redo, um, you name it. It's up there most likely and it needs to be redone because it's not just, you know, oh, I want to put this room here and this room here, which is probably not a big deal. But if it's like a wholesale change and you just wonder, 
when do you throw up the red flag? Some like you know, like I said, some people don't. They just say, "We'll get it done." Yeah. So I I don't know anybody who has said they're not going to do it. I guess is I should put that out there. Like the all the projects that I've worked on or that I know of, they absolutely have gone through those changes. And the biggest reason is they want to keep the client, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's a big driver. You can't can't disregard that part of it because. It's like, do you want to make this client happy? Do you want them to refer you? Do you want them to come back to you? There's so many like different ways that that could play out in the future. Do you want another architect taking over this project because you refuse to do it, right? And then, you know, whatever comes out of that disaster, most likely, um, are you willing to have your name attached to that disaster at that point because you weren't willing to play ball? And and honestly, like we've seen how much designs can absolutely change and how flexible the process actually is is it painful because you're married to the idea or because you don't want to do the work again absolutely like there's no denying that part of it but man you've also seen it where the entire thing changes in a big way i mean i'm actually even thinking of a project not one that we worked on but like the lucas museum i think it's it's in its third location that i've i'm aware of um i think it was in seattle or no it was in san francisco then it was in chicago now it's in la and every design by Mad was completely different. Mad Architects, and okay. and and they like took that way through the process, and then had to start over with a new location. And it's like that's an extreme, right? But I'm talking more like let's say you've got a student housing project with a podium and four stories, and then they're like, nope, we want it to be seven, and we want the footprint to get smaller. And it's like, will you do that? It's like. Yeah, well, we we can do that. We absolutely can do that. Are you willing to pay for that? This question. <laughs> well, that and that that's the question, and that that's actually more of where I was trying to lead the conversation. Is not necessarily. I mean, everybody deals with changes. I mean, hell, I mean, I'll give you a good example is the current building that I'm working. On. I don't. I can't even remotely tell you um, how many different changes we had. There was one point in time early on in the process where we had eight different individual Revit models for eight completely different designs for the project in its exact location of where it's at, we got to the point where we just realized that it would be too cumbersome to try to do thousands of different like design, uh, different design iterations within one model. So we basically just did a series, you know, we created one model and okay. And then, you know, here's one where we're going to tweak it, where we're going to cut a few floors off. Here's one where we're going to add a few floors. Here's one where the programs of the floors are going to be completely different than what this one or this one's going to be. And so it sounds, you know, a little insane, but it was in, it was insanity that kept our sanity rather than us doing that. Now, so I understand those changes. And those are changes that I would call early on. Yeah, those are early process. on. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I'm more referring to the design changes late in the process. Yeah. You know, when you're in construction documents, when right. you're almost ready for submission for permit and con- or in bid. And what do you do then? I mean, I didn't actually mean to insinuate that if I was in this situation, which, you know, I have been in the past, but that I wouldn't do the project. I'm just saying, how do people react when a project like that happens? Do they eat it and just try to get that those changes done under basically the fees that they already have and the time that they already have 
just so that they can keep the yeah. client happy right. yes. so that they, cause they know that they are going to probably, let's say this is a institution you're going to do work for, you know, over and over again, or you're expecting a, a good review from that one when you use that particular project as uh, a reference for something else. And so we always sit back and we ask ourselves, okay, you know, we've, we've been asked to do these changes. How are we going to deal with them? What are we going to do? I mean, are we going to ask for additional services? Are we going to ask for additional time? Are we going to eat it? Are we not going to ask for any additional time? What happens when your engine, when you decide as the architect, you don't want to, you know, ask for additional time or you don't want to ask for additional money, but you've got your engineers who come by and say, Hey, you know, yeah. I, I completely engineered this entire area and now you're asking me to change it again. I'm, I'm going to have to add more time to this. I'm going to have to add more whatever to this, you know? So, you know, just, it's, I, I guess I'm just more curious about what. I'm laughing because yeah. that it happens, right? And, and so, so the happen. only way that you can actually even take this on is to take it on as it comes. You mm -hmm. can't, you, it's very difficult to kind of proactively ahead of time say, here's our policy, no matter what, like those, those are just asterisks that, that people cannot abide by because there are so many variables in this equation. And so as long as I think you decide together as a complete team, write down the reasons why things changed and who's going to pay for them and come to those agreements when it, like before the work actually happens, rather than just say, yeah, we can do that because that mm -hmm. sucks for the team, right? When somebody who is in a quote unquote leadership position says, yep, we can do that, and doesn't ask anybody else on the team if it can be done, um, that's a that's really bad culturally, morale, all kinds of things. Oh, yeah. That was... um, and then and then there's, again, there's just no way to kind of just say, here's how we're going to do, how we're going to handle all of those things that come up, because you just can't foresee that kind of stuff. And it even take, takes me to like the VE situation, right? It, VE is neither, right? It's it's neither yeah. value nor engineering, right? It's just like how can yes. we cut every how can we cut money out of this project? And to me, those are the kinds of changes like you have to deal with because you're trying to hit a certain budget and it's super painful because you just end up, you know, it's either, you know, we say death by a thousand cuts <laughs> or you lop off an entire wing of a building because you want to avoid the death by a thousand cuts and and can everybody live with that? We see all of this stuff and then I start to think like why don't we do this in school, right? Why don't they teach this in school where you get to the eighth week of your 10-week quarter and the professor comes in yeah, and says, great. Oh, here's changes. Here's the changes I want you to make. And that, that does happen like on a desk crit kind of a level, right? It's like, well, have you thought about it this way, right? There's, there's all like that theoretical stuff, but then there's like the way more practical stuff, which is like, you know, it's somewhere between um, changing the door sizes and have you looked at this building upside down, right? It's it's like, okay, yeah. you've got $5 million less because the bond didn't pass, right? So what are you going to do about it? And get proactive about new constraints and solving the problem so that it sat still satisfies the contract, um, the expectations, whatever you want to call it, right? But that would be a proactive way to kind of start to address this real deal pain that people feel in our profession. Um, especially when you get towards the end of that finish line and it happens when, you know, they say changes that happen early uh, are cheap. Changes yeah. that happen late are very, very expensive. 
Uh, it goes, it always, you know, goes back to the way that I also kind of liken the errors that you make in the documents that the architect catches are free to correct. Yeah. It, it is the, it's when the contractor catches it, when it becomes really expensive. And that is the exact, kind of the set, exact same adage as what you just said is like early on, you're almost expected that you're going to have, you know, several rounds of changes and tweaks and, and you know, modifications. And the later and later it goes, the more and more damaging to the project schedule. You know, if they're minor, you know, you can roll with minor changes. If they're major changes, I recall one project where we decided to, because a couple of principal investigators dropped out of the project, we had designed everything to custom tailored to their exact desires. Mm. They dropped out of the project. You know, what do we do? Do we continue to build it out this way? It was like, no, because if you build it out this way, the next PI will not want to do it the same way. Right. And so what we're going to do is we're going to just shell that space and yep. have you, you know, have you do, but, but have you at least like have, you know, four walls in there. And then during construction, what we'll end up doing is, you know, we'll have you guys. We'll do a TI. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We'll have, we'll, we'll have you guys meet with, you know, the next PI that we get and then, you know, fit that one. But then you're just hoping that, that person that's coming in, you know, is going to have the same kind of like lab gas requirements or this, that, or the other, and just all these like yeah. silly little things that you didn't think about until you got into that position of completely just like gutting and starting over. It is some, some interestingly silly stuff that I, I guess in a way where I was leading the conversation was wanting to know, obviously you've dealt with this. How have you dealt with it? And then just, you know, how do I know? I'm just curious how other people have de dealt with it. How do people change with, how do people roll with the punches? You yeah. know, deal yeah. with the change. Well, let's put the question out there. Hit us up on Twitter, people. Yeah. At Arcaspeak. A-R-C-H-I-S-P-K. And so when I say, how do you deal with changes? I'm not necessarily talking about those early changes talking about and we're not changes. talking about paint color <laughs> yeah we're not talking about paint color because you know yeah. those can change all the time but late big changes yeah. late big changes big changes